Hello, good people, and thank you so much for joining me tonight for this 14th episode of the Knowing Place podcast. I have a very special guest with me tonight, Miss Kelly Smith, and she's an author and uh, voiceover specialist, vocalist. And tonight we're going to talk with her about her journey that led her to writing a book entitled Love Letters from an Ex-Wife. It is not a women's book. It is a relationship book written by a woman. And it's written from her perspective and her experience in her marriage and, and the failure of her marriage and her just taking ownership in the role that she played in that failure. So this book is great for anyone who's in any kind of relationship, whether it be professional, romantic or otherwise, or even friendships. Um, I've had the pleasure of reading this book. And again, men, women and even children, uh, you know, teenagers, I will say at least could help them get good perspective on how healthy relationships should be or what what a person's role is in a relationship and what it is not. So, again, thank you so much for joining me. Stick with me. After a short break, we'll be right back and we'll get into the conversation with Miss Kelly Smith. Peace and love. Thanks. Be right back. All right, everybody. Welcome back. As promised, I have a wonderful guest with us tonight, uh, Miss Kelly Smith. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. And um, Kelly's an author. She's a vocalist. Many other hats that she wears. I'll let her get into some of those that she wishes to as we discuss here. But Kelly, thanks so much for joining us tonight. How are you? I'm good, Chuck. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate uh, really appreciate you having me on your show. Well, um, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to, to grace us with your presence here. And just wanted to talk to you now. Again, you know, as you know, may already know that uh, the, the Knowing Place here is about positivity, uplifting, encouraging uh, stories, overcoming stories of overcoming, persevering, and anything that could just encourage people in life, this journey of life that we have. So I like to bring on uh, interesting people to share their stories, any aspect of their life they'd like to share that they think may be helpful or, and as well, I want you to promote some things that you got going on as well as we do that. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. So now are you a native of Atlanta, Georgia, Kelly, or tell us about a little bit about yourself. (laughs) I am not a native, although I do call myself a Georgia peach with a Buckeye heart. So (laughs) (laughs) I am originally from Columbus, Ohio, but I've been here um, 32 years, 33 years next year. Oh, wow. So you're from Atlanta then? Yeah, I got deep roots. Right. Okay. Interesting. Buckeye heart. George, George <laughs> heart. But at any rate, uh, so I know that you've done a lot of voiceover work. You're a vocalist. I've had the pleasure of hearing Kelly sing at church and our, on our praise team and so a great vocalist and voiceover artist as well. And, but lately you've gotten into becoming an author. Yeah. So tell <laughs> yeah. us a little bit about that. Um, it wasn't something I set out to do, to be honest with you, Chuck. You know, I don't, I, I think that probably there are some authors that say um, that's what they've always wanted to do. Right. Um. I, I think it chose me. 
it's nothing that I, again, that I set out to do or chose to do or aspired to do. Um, it really happened through, um, it really happened and I won't, I don't, I, I don't want to say after my healing journey, I guess it happened after the, an, an intense part of my healing journey. How about that? Okay, um, sure. where I kind of felt like I was coming out of seclusion, so to speak. And just out of conversations I was having with people, mm -hmm. um, I had begun to share things that were, that I was learning and through that, and it was just really weird because it's, it had never happened to me in my life. People began to open up to me or they would ask, call me and ask me for advice or ask me for my wisdom. And I was like, I don't know how much wisdom I have, but here's what I got. Right. <laughs> and, um, and I began to hear the same stories from different people that none of them knew each other. Right. And I just remember in my conversations, I would think, I wish I had a platform to share what I was learning, or I wish I had a platform to just talk to people to just say, please, you know, don't do that or learn from my mistakes. And right. on, I, I remember it like it was yesterday on January 30th, I was getting ready for, um, I was getting ready to go to church, um, for worship team and, uh, or, or a sound check. And it was, it was in the days where we, it's not so much anymore right now, but, um, usually we have to be at church at six forty-five, seven 7 AM for, for sound check. And I was in and this may this is might sound like TMI, but I think sometimes God talks to us in the place where 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 we sometimes are the most mindless or not really thinking about anything. But I was I was in the shower, and I remember God just started talking to me and giving me the idea of a book, and He started just giving me each chapter title, and I was like, "Wait, I don't have anything to write down." what sure. you're telling me. And I jumped out of the shower and I grabbed my phone and I started typing in everything that I was hearing. And the book was born on that morning. And for the rest of the day, God was talking to me about, um, about what he wanted me to write. And I just remember being excited and scared and almost kind of frozen thinking, oh my God, I can't share all of that. That's, that's right. so personal. It's, it's, and it's embarrassing. And what will people think of me? And I'll lose the friends that I have. And, right. <laughs> and for a week, I just sat on it. Just, just, um, quite honestly, just scared. And I remember later that week, Chuck, you called me mm -hmm. and we were just, catching up like we usually do. And I said, let me just run something by you. And I shared with you, you were the, you were the first person I shared with about the book. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember exactly what you said. Maybe you can just share what you said. I don't remember exactly what you said, but I remember thinking, oh my God, he said he liked it. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. You know, I'm a firm believer that, you know, 
transparency is something that transcends gender and race and culture. If somebody's being transparent about something, it resonates with those of us who are empaths by nature and who can relate to and empathize with others and their struggles and growth. So I think I think what I heard when what you shared with me that night, I don't remember exactly what I said, but just the uh, transparency that you were speaking with resonated with me. And that's why I like it. It wasn't so much a matter of taste for me. It was a matter of recognizing the transparency that you were using. Yeah. Um, and I think what you're showing here, and I don't want to speak for you, but it sounds like you're saying that not only was this uh, this endeavor cathartic for you, but it kind of shows where somebody's like journals or even personal conversations could very easily be parlayed into a published work that could actually help people in their walk. Absolutely. But I have to say too, and, and yes, it was very cathartic for me. It did. Um, it really solidified some healing for me. And even in my writing process, um, there, there was more healing even than what I experienced when I kind of came out of hiding in that deep healing time. Um, but I don't, I have to be honest and tell you, Chuck, I don't know that if I don't know everyone is equipped to be that openly transparent. Like there are some people that can be transparent with themselves and, you know, trans maybe transparent in their circle to, to a degree, but there is a, there is a vulnerability to being transparent and putting pen to paper and then putting it out there for people to read. Right. I, I think there, there is a movement so to speak, of people being much more honest with how they are, you know, their feelings and thoughts and what have you. And there's this um, undercurrent of respect with that, with, with, that comes with that, but there can be some backlash. And so sometimes I think people overshare, yes. um, you know, and then there are some people that don't know how to share or even they don't even know how to be honest with themselves. So, right. you know, um, I, I, I was talking to, um, a mentor friend of mine and, you know, he was saying to me that he said, he said, I, I, I want to write a book. He said, I just don't know that I can be as transparent as you. And, you know, I was going to say it's one of two things. You mentioned both of them really in a roundabout way. You're it either requires maturity to do what you've done or recklessness. Yes. You know, if you're reckless, you might just spew off and tell too much. But if you're mature enough, you can be transparent without condemnation or hesitation because you've gotten to a place where you are ready to share that which is on your heart and that you feel will be benefit others, you know? Yeah. Um, but we're kind of talking around. I, I, I want to apologize to my audience. Let's back up. What we're speaking of here, guys, is <laughs> Kelly's series of books. Uh, that will soon to be a series of books. But our first offering in the series is Love Letters. It's a Love Letters series of books. So what's the first offering? The title of your first offering, Kelly, is? It's called Love Letters from an Ex-Wife. Confronting, mm -hmm, confronting hidden feelings that can destroy relationships. And I will link that, uh, guys, in the uh, episode notes. Look for that in the episode notes. You'll be able to find a link to that book if you want to 
No, not if you want to. You should really pick up a copy of it, men and women alike, and just really, it'll really help you evaluate yourself, your relationships, and helps you to take a look at yourself and you know, your responsibilities and your relationships as well. So again, I don't want to overtalk Kelly, but love letter series, uh, letters, love letters from an ex-wife. Again, I'll link that in the show notes. So Thank I'm you. a firm believer. Oh, you're welcome. I'm a firm believer too, Kelly, that uh, as you said too, you alluded to, uh, experience is not the best teacher. Um, I believe the best teacher is someone who's already experienced something that they maybe can help you avoid by mm-hmm. by them sharing with you their experience. That's mm-hmm. why. Mm-hmm. If you have, if you have the ears to hear, yes, and to to pause where you want wisdom, because not yeah. everybody wants to listen. Not everybody wants to. Not everybody wants to to, as we say in our in our culture, not everybody wants you to be in their business like that. Right. Right. And I agree because I, too, am very careful because, you know, if somebody doesn't ask you for your advice, you shouldn't give it. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be very careful about that. You know, once they ask, then I'll hit them with the whammy. But I'm not going to just <laughs> offer up my advice if you haven't asked me, because that way it's not really received well that way. And like you said, people can become offended, mm-hmm. things of that nature. So I agree with you on that. Um, and, and and to add to that, sometimes, Chuck, even in a conversation with someone where it, it may not be time for you to share with them your thoughts. Like they might say, well, what do you think? And you'll go, oh, you know, I'm just going to hold that to myself for a minute. Because sometimes they may ask, but you know, you may know from experience that they're not ready to hear what you have to say. Absolutely. So there's definitely wisdom there that's required before you just mm-hmm. uh, spew all over somebody there, your ideas about something they're sharing with you. I totally agree with that. So it definitely requires some wisdom there and some sensitivity to yeah. where they are in their journey. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that's very good. Um, so in your writing of, of, of your book, what are some things you discovered that maybe you didn't know about, about Kelly? Are there some things you discovered in your writing that, that surprised you or that you just didn't know were part of who you are? Things of that nature. Any surprises for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there were a lot of surprises. Um, one of the first ones was, um, I think it's in the first or second letter, um, just so that everyone knows if, you know, when you go to read the book, there there are not chapters, they're letters. They're they're letters to a friend. So in my first, it's either the first or second letter, when I was I and and I just recently had a had this kind of conversation um with my son actually. And we were talking about what girls dream about when they get proposed to. Right. Um, you know, we dream, but not even when you get proposed to, you just, as a girl, you just kind of dream about being the princess for the day on your wedding day. And, you know, you're the dress and the hair and the nails and your bridesmaids and the colors and the food. And, you know, you, 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 you dream about all of that. And I, 
didn't have anybody to tell me, Kelly, don't go buy that wedding dress. That man has not proposed to you yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I did anyway. And I didn't realize how much pressure I put on him to propose when he wasn't ready. Right. Because you kind of put the wheels in motion, even within your own psyche, by buying that dress. It's like, okay, now let me take the next steps to wearing this dress and getting that day scheduled and all that. Yeah. Now we, we talked about it. Right. But I didn't realize how much pressure I put on him by wanting to set a, you know, we talked about a date. He didn't even, he hadn't even bought the ring. We talked about, you know, I told him I bought my dress. He hadn't even bought the ring. I got a dress hanging up in my closet. And I really had to, when, when I, when I had that revelation, Chuck, it was like, it hit me in between my eyeballs and, and I just had to just quietly apologize because I couldn't apologize to him, but I had to quietly apologize and go, I wouldn't want that kind of pressure put on me. Why in the world would I want to put that kind of pressure on somebody else who may not have wanted to or 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 wanted to propose or wasn't ready to propose? And so that that was that was the first one. Right. Um, this, I probably, the second surprise was, um, um, I might have to, I might have to think about that. I I know that there were a couple of others that, um, that were hard for, oh, I know what it was, what I was going to say. And it came through, it wasn't just through my writing, but it also, my writings were put together, you know, by, by me, um, doing therapy, but also, um, uh, doing therapy, listening to uh, unlearning what I thought relationships should be made up of by listening to a couple of, um, ministers that were really teaching on relationships. And I was unlearning what I thought it was and relearning what it should be and what, you know, how men think and how men feel and, and what have you. But one of the things that he, this particular minister said that just floored me, he was talking about marriage and the scripture that we attach to everything when you're getting married is, you know, what God has joined together, let no man separate. And it's a scripture that we, that, you know, ministers say when they're marrying a couple and and it's in couples, you know, couples, premarital counseling and counseling. And, and it's, it's just laced all throughout, you know, relationship conversations but this minister asked something that just blew me away. He said, but what if God didn't join it together? Wow. And I was thinking when you talked about getting that dress and the pressure that it could put on, I, I could see, even from a man's perspective, I could see a man who loves you, but may not quite be ready to be married, feeling pressure to go ahead and get married because of the way things have been put in motion. That's and right. Then, you know, Discovering later on that, hey, maybe, maybe God didn't put this together. 
maybe we succumb to the pressure and jump the gun some. You know, that's a possibility. And and we put it together, not God. Right. right. You know, and- we put we put it together and we stand in front of this pastor and he, you know, says, What God has joined together, let no man separate. Well, I don't know about that. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. listen. I am I I I I know the scripture that God hates divorce. Right. But what if God didn't put it together? What if what if that woman is not bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh? Right. What what if what if it's not? What if what if some what if you're joined together by your trauma? Right. What if you're joined together by by just career but you have nothing in common when you're not talking about work right i never thought about it that way kelly so what you're saying is that what god put together phrase is important in that because if god yeah. didn't put it together i get i see that that's deep yeah that's good i never thought about that and that from that perspective i didn't think about it from that perspective either until I heard that message and tied it back to when me and I I changed the name of my ex-husband in the book to Mark. So when Mark and I were, he had proposed by this time and um, we, me, my parents and Mark and I went to a hotel and, you know, went to go lay down the deposit for the reception. And my stepdad looked at me and Mark and said, are you guys sure this is absolutely what you want to do? He said, what I want you guys to do is just kind of stop and take a minute for a week. Even he knew it, but he didn't say it. Even my stepdad knew it. He said, I want you guys to just take a week and really just kind of spend some time praying. Think about what you want as individuals, not what you want as a couple and get married and all of that stuff. He said, but just really take some time apart. And Chuck, the first day I prayed about it, I heard the Holy Spirit say, nope, don't get married. This this is not what I want for you right now. And I, I was like, yeah, okay, that was the first day. Maybe I'll get a, a different answer the second day. Same, right. <laughs> same answer came the second day. And every day after that, and when we came together at the end of the week, I asked, I said, Mark, what did, what, did, what did you hear during your prayer time this week? And he looked at me and he said, well, what did you hear during your, time, your prayer time this week? And I, my pride, my pride, my pride, my pride got in the way. And, and the dress and everybody knowing, and I had the ring on my finger and the invitations are ordered and the date is set and the bridesmaids are getting ready to go get fitted. And I, and in my head, I was like, I can't, I can't choke down, um, I can't, I can't say no. Right. I can't choke that down. I have to say, oh, yes, this is what we're supposed to do. And that's what I said. And he said, yeah, that's what I got, too. But I could tell he didn't. But neither one of us wanted to be honest and transparent and back out when everybody around us knew it. And so as I was listening to that message, 
of of talking about what God has joined together. And he said, well, what if God didn't join it together? He said, yes, God hates divorce, but God hates even more when two people aren't supposed to walk together and you're not treating each other right. You're not, you're lying to each other. You you Then you bring children into the world and then they see unhealthy relationship and, and just it perpetuates a new generational cycle or maybe a continued generational cycle that wasn't there in the first place or one that's there that's continuing unhealthy, toxic behavior in a family line. Wow. That's heavy. Yeah. And I had to honestly, that was, that was the other surprise of mine. I had to go, Oh my God, God didn't join us together. We have two beautiful children that came out of it. Don't get me wrong. We have two beautiful children that came out of that, and I love them dearly, but God didn't join it together. Me and Mark joined it together. Wow. And I'm, I'm, I feel like if you look at divorce rates nowadays, that that happens more often. More often mm-hmm. it's people making it happen than be, it being put together properly. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a glaring evidence in today's society, especially with the with the skyrocketing divorce rates across the board. Yeah. And through that, that was my aha moment of, no, Kelly, this is on that that part is on you because you pressured that man. You pressured that man to get ready before before he was ready and before I was ready. So that was that was my big surprise of the book. My two big surprises of the book. That's incredible. So let's pause right here, Kelly. Yep. And when we come back, I want to touch on a couple of things that you mentioned that I, I think are important to know. And I want to reiterate, and I'll put this at the, in the show notes as well. Again, this is not a woman's book, people. It <laughs> yeah. is a book written from a woman's perspective, but it's for anybody who is in any kind of relationship, be it friendships romantic relationships it does not matter this book is for anyone who's in a relationship and that's all human beings all of us are in some type of relationship of some type so when we come back we're going to touch on a few more topics and we're going to let kelly just send us out with some of her thoughts and her hopes for this book for those who read it so stick with us we'll be back in a couple of minutes thanks Okay, welcome back, everybody. We're back with Kelly Smith, if you're just joining us. Author, um, vocalist. Um, Check out the show notes there, and I got some links to her book, Love Letters from an Ex-Wife. And it's a series, part of a series of books. So we're going to continue our discussion here with Kelly. Um, So, Kelly, we were talking just before the break there, um, and you mentioned something that's very important, um, not only to me, but I think in general you mentioned therapy yeah and that's something that a lot of people and let me be honest especially men tend to shy away from Mm -hmm. in a lot of cases Um, and I'm speaking from personal experience I would implore anybody who who deals with anything psychological any kind of depression any kind of just mental emotional struggle to definitely seek out some therapy. It's good to have somebody who's impartial, who doesn't know you personally, who can listen to what you're dealing with and give you a, a perspective 
not from an emotional place, because let's, let's be real, people who love you and care about you, they get caught up in the emotion of what you're dealing with, and they may not give you impartial advice. Some people can, but maybe not. But a therapist can do that, I feel, impartially, because they don't know you personally. That's they right. Can at, they can look at it from a clinical standpoint and really give you some tools and insights. So mm-hmm. you mentioned the therapy helped you get to the place, Kelly, where you could actually pour out your heart literally and really evaluate Kelly and decisions you've made and why you made those decisions and how they've impacted you in your life and your children's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that being said, um, so I guess you're saying, are you seeing a lot of things that, that need to be fixed and need to be rectified, I guess, even with your children because of this experience? I am. And I've been able to help them. Um, well, let me just be completely honest. I've been able to help my son um, be um, to kind of dig to be, I I guess maybe I've helped him be more transparent. Let me just say it like that and really not be ashamed to be honest. Um, He's read my book twice, actually three times. Wow. And um, he said the first time it was really hard for him to read it. And then the, the next two times were um, because he was he wanted to read it again himself. And then the third time was when he was going through it with his girlfriend. Wow. Because he didn't want to, he wanted to learn from my mistakes. And I told him that. Wow. Um, um, I, 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 I know my, I probably shouldn't like put her on blast, but I know my daughter is having a, a difficult time with the book. That's understandable. Yeah. That's understandable. Yeah. So I'll just, I'll just leave that one right there, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, but it's been really refreshing um, to see how my son has grown through it. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Through my mistakes, because I wanted him to, I want both of them to learn from my mistakes. So I have an interesting question. I think it's interesting anyway, Kelly. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen social or even professional impact that this experience has had on you? Mm. Both. Mm. Both. Um, let me just start with professional. Right. Um, by profession, I'm a fundraiser. Okay. Um, I'm the person that most people don't want to see. But in my profession, we call ourselves friend raisers mm. or we also call ourselves connectors and, and, you know, connecting philanthropists to their passions and, and teaching them how they can give to their passion. Um, and, my area of fundraising is in higher ed where my donors have a lot of them have become friends and they invest in education and the future of, of education through scholarships and program support. Okay. And my 
my my own healing journey has made me much more of a, a connector with them because money can be very emotional. Mm, that's true. I'm a witness. Mm-hmm. Um, if you let me share, I, I've yeah, I've always said that. For instance. I'm not interested in getting an inheritance from my parents because that means they're not here anymore. Right. So that, that takes away from the people see the glamor that maybe of having money. Oh, your dad or your mom left you this. Well, yeah, but they have to be dead for me to get it. So I'd rather not have it. Right. So I feel you on that emotional, it, it can be emotional. You know, if somebody's husband dies and left them a, you know, a big chunk of money that they're going to donate to you, that's very emotional for that person. Right. Let's let's take it even out of that part. Have right. you ever gone to a restaurant and your meal was horrible? For sure. But you're about to they're about to charge you money for something that was horrible. And expect you to tip. Yeah. Right. You get emotional about that thing because you <laughs> a thousand percent. Yes. Or if you had poor work done on your house, but right. you paid money for it. Right. You know, or, you know, you go shopping and, and, and you call it retail therapy, but you feel guilty. But now you have a closet full of clothes, but you don't have money to spend on that, that makes you to makes it to the end of the month. Right. It, it, it's money is emotional. Absolutely. It is. And let, me, know, let me add a caveat here, Kelly. Yeah. Uh, neither Kelly nor I are. Uh, mental health professionals. Yeah, no. <laughs> so don't take anything we're saying as me- as medical advice by any means. We are just sharing our perspectives, right, from our experiences. So right. Good, good, good caveat. Yes. So I talk to my donors about um, their where their heart is. So, like you know, I have a donor that by profession he was the chief um, chief physician in an ER, but he does not, he he does give to some medical, you know, charities, but his heart is music. Okay. So, you know, connecting him to what his heart is and making that come alive where he gets to meet a student, hear their music, hear their story he loves that. So that's, I've been able to really, um, through connecting and, and digging deep in myself, I've been able to hear and see my donors in conversation where, you know, some of my other colleagues just keep it very business and transactional. I'm right. able to connect on a much more personal level. And I think that makes, it makes me, you know, I, th- I think it makes me a, a better um, friend raiser and philanthropist yeah. connector. Absolutely. Yeah. So on this, on the, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say on the, uh, what about the social aspect? What have you yeah. seen? What have you realized? Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. I mean, I've never, um, I've never been a person that has had a ton of friends. Okay. I was never the popular girl in school. I was actually the <laughs> the not popular in school. Okay. Um, um, I was never the one that everybody came to for advice or, you know, as a matter of fact, I, people kind of ran from me. Um, 
I think because of, you know, just whatever, I, I, I don't know, I, I could kind of speculate on some things, but I've noticed um, my, in my social circle, my relationships have gotten much more honest and mm-hmm. trans and transparent. Yes. And um, they've got, they've gone deeper, but much more meaningful much more meaningful than they ever have. But I have to admit too, Chuck, my relationship circle has gotten smaller. I I understand that. As it should, I think. I'm sorry, one more time? I said, as it should, I think, you know. Um, I think as we, you know, as we navigate life and as we become more mature in certain ways, you know, I'm a firm believer that certain people can be part of our life just for a season. Yeah. Not everybody's meant to be in your life, your whole life per se. And I think that's Mm -hmm. part of growth in life that, you know, your circle tends to become small in a lot of cases as you mature in certain ways. And and as you said, transparency isn't comfortable for everybody. No, it's not. And I hear differently now. Right. And what I mean by that is in conversation, you know, <clears throat> of course, some conversation is just catching up with, you know, a girlfriend or a guy friend. And, you know, there's the hee hee and the ha ha's. But then when we just say, OK, how are you really doing? Because you hear something. You know, you hear that. Oh, I hear something in their voice that that doesn't sound right. And maybe because I ask myself the hard questions, um, you know, sometimes I will ask like I think I've even said to you sometimes, but I know I've said it to other people. I'll say, I have a hard question, but I want to ask your permission to ask it before I do. <laughs> right. For sure. <laughs> you know, because not everybody wants to be asked a hard question. That's true. Um, because I hear differently. I hear things behind the words. I hear, I, and I see the person behind the wall. And so, I yeah, think go I ahead. Saying, Kelly, that, this, this transparency has a sobering effect. Very much so. Clarity of hearing, of sight, of just compassion, of mm-hmm. all and all. And, and I think I also hear you saying, Kelly, how, and correct me if I'm wrong here, these things that we harbor that we don't confront and deal with, they permeate through all aspects of our life. Every aspect of your life. And I even like to say it like this. We all, you know, you know, you can say I wear many hats, but no, I wear many titles. Right. Right. So the first title I ever came into this world with was daughter. Right. And then, you know, I wear the title of friend and girlfriend. And and then I wore the title of um, fiance. And then I wore the title of wife and the title of mother. And then my title at work, um, I'm a, I'm a girlfriend to my girlfriends. I'm, you know, I'm an aunt. I'm a, you know what I mean? I'm a cousin. We all, and each, each title has a different role description underneath, right? Right. Just because I'm an aunt doesn't mean that I mother my nieces and nephews. True. You're more of a friend to your nieces and nephews than you are a mother. And, and I guess it it would depend on the role because you might be an aunt taking care of or mothering, but in a traditional sense is what I mean. I understand. 
right? So we all wear different titles that have different roles and you learn how to be a chameleon and move in and out and be liquid, right? And move in and out of those relationships depending on what it is. Yes. Um, But I have, because I'm transparent with myself, I've learned how to be much more transparent and even ask some of those hard questions of my girlfriends that are, and of my guy friends that, and my children that um, when I hear um, that thing, I don't, I, I don't know how else to describe it. I wish I had a better, <laughs> better <All right>. adjective, <laughs> but when I hear that, um, what I've learned in my own therapy and my own unlearning and my, and, and, and this deposit of peace and love for myself, it has permeated. Yes. Every part, every role that I wear in my social circle and in my professional life, um, I have, I, it kind of surprised me today. As a matter of fact, I had a, got a call from my donor that I was going to call him anyway, because I saw this Facebook post that said he was leaving Atlanta. And I was like, wait, he's leaving. And so he, before I could call him, he called me. He said, Kelly, you're only one of two people on my list that I wanted to call and make sure that you knew how, how dear you were to me and how special I believe our friendship is. Wow. And he's, he's a donor. And I was really taken back by what he said, um, that he can, that that's how he considered me. And we started off, you know, I mean, just in in a regular kind of professional, you know, relationship as, you know, in a, in, in, as a donor, you know, you kind of would, but it just grew over time to where we just began to share things that, you know, longtime friends would share. Um, but I could, I could, I, I can see my impact in all the aspects of my life that, um, it's just, I guess, as you, uh, you've asked the question, I, I, maybe I didn't see it before now. So yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> no, well, the beautiful thing is, and I think for sure, Kelly, um, I want to encourage people listening to this step out there and get that therapy. Yeah. You're dealing with. Holding you back, robbing you of sleep at night. I've been there too. Mm-hmm. These things are are more than likely, whether you realize or not, affecting every aspect of your life that you may not even know. So, root those things out, and let's confront these things so we can get healthier and get better, y'all. And just there's enough going on in the world without us carrying stuff from our past and our childhood to yeah. get to help to hold us back. So, I guess with that, Kelly. Can I, can I, can I just say something else along that line really quick? I want to really underscore something that one, and this was the other thing that surprised me, just kind of going back to that from um, your previous question Mm -hmm. is that my trauma and my defenses and my anger from the trauma and resentment from the trauma became my personality. Oh, wow. And how I related to people became my personality instead of this authentic person. Because I struggled, Chuck. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think you and I have even talked about this, but I struggled most of my life with friendships. 
because uh, I kept trying to, I wanted friends so desperately that I leached on to them and to the point where they'd be like, yeah, okay, Kelly, great. Thanks so much. I uh, appreciate it. Okay, bye. And they would run, people would run from me and it hurt my feelings and I was lonely and I felt rejected and I was ashamed and, and I, I, I carried that for so many years. I mean, into my adult years. Right. But I, but the other surprising thing is that that trauma that hurt, uh-huh. um, my lack of relationship with my dad, I, I carried that. Yes. And it became my personality instead of who is Kelly for real, like for real, for real. Right. And when I started to dig down and ask myself the hard questions of where did that come from? Who told me that? Why do I feel that way? And I feel that way because of this. And when I feel that way, it gives me this physical response. And okay, let me untangle that and let me start to change my behavior. And now that I have this awareness, because I have this awareness, I can function differently. And oh, that's not really how I think. That came from that. I don't want to think that way. So let me rewire myself and let me relearn. And I found that this is, this is, I, 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 I think I'm funny, (laughs) but I found this sense of humor that I didn't know that I have. Um, I found this peace that I walk with. I found this confidence that I walk with. I found, I found an inner joy. I've discovered that I love being around people, but I really like my intimate relationships. Right. You know, I'm this extrovert introvert. It's called an ambivert. I I hover in the middle, but I've discovered that I'm much more of an introvert than I am an extrovert. Um, I discovered all of these wonderful things about me that one, I didn't know they existed. And two, some, I just uncovered that I was like, wow, I like that. And so I, I discovered this person, this beautiful person that, yeah, I've been through some stuff in life. And Chuck, as you said, my series of love letter books, and there are, there's a series of six books that over the next few years will be coming out of the things that have affected me. But the thing that affected the most that I didn't realize that I was angry, bitter, and resentful. And in my resentment, it leaked out and it defiled people where they didn't want to be. And that I was angry um, and I walked around with this scowl on my face. Mm-hmm. Because you can be angry and not present angry. Right. You could harbor anger without it necessarily. That's right. But it affects your behavior. Of course. It affects how you come across to people where you can be angry. And even like in a a marriage relationship, let's just say um, your spouse, their car breaks down and you're like, I'll get to him in a minute. Right. 
rather than jumping in your car and going to go see about them. Even if you're going to sit on the side of the road for three hours, you're still with them. Right. You know, so it leaks your, your, your inauthentic self leaks out. And I'm looking here, I hear um, this is an article, a short article, a study done by the National Institutes of Health. And it says individuals with childhood trauma show much more depression, anxiety, distorted cognition, personality deficits, and lower levels of social support, which may represent the social and psychological vulnerability for developing psychiatric disorders after childhood trauma experiences. Yep. So we carry that stuff with us. So that's why this, that's why we say y'all the therapy piece is very important and you don't have to be, it doesn't have to be a trauma of Mm -hmm. some tragedy. It could be, maybe your parents got divorced when you were young, you never got over it. Who knows? But yeah, do some, do some wholesale inventory. And really, if you need to seek out some help, please to to get better y'all. But yeah, Kelly, I want to leave everybody with this. Okay. What, what's your desire and hope for those who read your books? Really and truly, Chuck, is to take a self-inventory, a self-examination, <clears throat> see yourself, whether if it's in one letter or all the letters, but to see yourself <clears throat> in, 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 in truly taking an honest, an honest, transparent look and say, do I real, do I, is that something that's me? And if it's me? Don't just resign it to, well, that's just how I am. Right. Because that's a selfish way to walk around life. That's oh, you know just what? how I am. If this is how I am, why am I like this? Why am I like this? And let's let's just be honest. I mean, some of us we're just wired that way. Right. I'm 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 wired to be a neat freak. <laughs> I just right. I just am. But I also know why I'm wired that way. Because right. A, a clean, tidy environment is peaceful to me. I understand that. It's yeah. it's it's peaceful. It's serene. You know, a bunch of cluttery stuff on a table drives me bananas. But my tidy, neat freakness might drive somebody else bananas. But that's that's what works for me. I'm wired that way. Right. You know. So yes, there are some things about me that I'm, that's just about, that's just what Kelly comes with. Um, but there, and there are things that we are all wired that way, except what way are we, what ways are we not, are we wired incorrectly? Like you would wire a circuit board in a house where, where the wire to the the washer and dryer is hooked up to the disposal at some point we'll have some kind of short circuit right a meltdown a something's going to manifest there right right that's good so take i think we need to take us a, a an honest look at yourself and that's why in the book there are self-examination questions to not to not you don't have to share but there are questions that you can either you write down or ask yourself quietly, oh, let me let me think about this. And my 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 hope, yes, number one is is for a person to take their own healing journey and to come to a, a healthier place 
within yourself and to show up to your relationships healthier. Absolutely. And that's but perfect. It, but it first starts inside. It first starts with us. Absolutely. With, with yourself. That's good. Well, yeah. Kelly, thank you so much. And once again, y'all, the book is, the first book in the series is Love Letters from an Ex-Wife Confronting Hitting Feelings. That can destroy relationships. That can destroy relationships. That's on Amazon. I'll also put the link in the show notes uh, for you to please go get a copy of that. Support Kelly. And it's also on on all audiobook platforms. Audiobook platforms as well. I have all the links in the show notes. And I also maybe put her social media there so you can follow her on uh, Facebook and Instagram and social medias. And I think she has contact information there if you want her to come speak or you want to join one of her great uh Video love letter chat. chats, yeah. Love letter chats that she has. So thank y'all so much for joining us. Kelly, thank you again for joining us. Peace and love to everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Chuck. And thank you, everybody. Peace and love on purpose. Peace and love. Good night.